Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Everybody loves a breakout candidate, don't they? Let's be honest, there, there's no greater feeling in fantasy footy than seeing someone with fantasy and supercoach potential calling the breakout and then absolutely nailing. Equally, getting a breakout wrong, whether it be through injury or otherwise, is one of the worst feelings in fantasy. Last year, Tristan Cherry gave people a lot of expectations early and then hurt early in the second quarter. But as we head to 2024, the narrative and news is better, but are we setting ourselves up for failure yet again? Or is he the breakout ruck of 2024? He's number 20 in my 50 most relevant. We're unpacking him today. It's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. And I trust you're enjoying this 50 most relevant series where I look at Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy and bring to your attention players I think we have to consider and discuss this preseason. And ultimately, it's a subjective list of who I think are the most relevant players. It's not just a, a player per day randomly. They're ranked for a reason. And Tristan Cherry, wow, this one could blow up in my face or be an absolute big call for 2024. Joining me on this episode with his 50 most relevant and coaches panel debut. If you've been in the super coach community for a little while, you've known Jock Reynolds, then chances are you've heard this man's voice. He and Clarky have ventured out on their own with the footy mailbag podcast demo. It's a pleasure to have you on the 50 most relevant and talking about a very interesting player on this episode. Thanks for having me, MJ. Yeah, it's great to be here in this um, great series that you put together this preseason and previous preseasons as well. And um, yeah, interesting player here with Tristan Sherry because he's got he's got some chances, and I'm sure we'll talk about all of that a bit a bit later. Let's look at his data from 2023. An average of 72.8 in Supercoach means he's coming in not as cheap as you might think, just over 400K in that format. He did give us one tonne last year, a 102. You've got to go back to his 2022 season to get a career-high score from him. It was 120. In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, a seasonal average of 66 means he's priced at 580000 in AFL Fantasy and just a touch over 600K in Dream Team, one ton last year and a season and career high score last year of 110. Ever since Tristan made his way into the AFL, people have been flagging and earmarking him as the replacement for Todd Goldstein. They saw his physicality at junior levels. Even in his draft year, people would say, look, he's raw. He's got some edges that need refining. But when he gets his hand to the ball at a hit-out, he uses it really well with those hit-outs to advantage, maximizing the opportunities for the midfield around him. When there's an opportunity to tackle and add pressure at the ground level, while certainly not the fastest mover in the AFL, my goodness, if he gets you in a tackle, you'll feel like Shane Mumford has just crunched your body into the ground. And now, Damo, before we get to his fantasy and super coach numbers, I think the exciting thing for us in the community is the apprenticeship under Todd Goldstein is over. He now finds his way at Essendon. And the good news for us in the fantasy community and for Tristan is there's a clear pathway where there's no obstacles to that number one ruck spot. 
Yeah, for sure. And you use the word quite a few times there, opportunity is now going to be the number one ruck at North Melbourne. And there is no Todd Goldstein to be parachuted in if it doesn't work out. He has to take this opportunity with both hands and completely dominate, or otherwise they're going to be looking other way, um, in other places because they've got other ruckmen on, on on their list, like Hamish Frey, who's a mature agent that they picked up from the waffle. But I mean... Tristan Sherry, he's got a chance and he's got a midfield more than capable of taking advantage of his hit outs. Yeah, I, I want to ask you about that in a few moments' time. That's one of those factors that when we consider Ruckman, certainly in Supercoach where that hit outs to advantage as opposed to just the straight one point we get for every hit out no matter what in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team is significant. So I want to get your thoughts around that. But looking at Tristan Cherry, it is a straight out breakout mid-price level guy. That's exactly what we're looking at here. And that seasonal average of 66 in AFL Fantasy does have an in Injury impacted game, um, but still a top score in the year of a 110, a bunch of other 80 plus scores. Supercoach at 72.8 average. There is a ton in there, and three other scores, 88 plus. But there was only three games last year, Damo, we saw him without Todd Goldstein. One was only a quarter and a half, and then the other was around 17 and 18. We'll talk about the numbers in a second, but from watching him and then from a points per minute perspective, what did you see and what could get us in the fantasy and super coach community excited that we've got an absolute bargain on our hands here? One of the things that really impresses you when you watch him is he wants to move around the ground as well as hit the ball into places where his midfielders can actually pick it up and use it. And he was going at 1.8 points per minute in super coach before he got injured in that round one game. And then wow. And, and then came out in round 17 and 18 with that 102 and 75 without Todd's gold scene. So he's got the opportunity and he's got the chances to score well because he knows what he's doing with the ball when he has it, knows what he's doing when he's out on the field. It's just a matter of him staying on the park, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit later. In, in that round 17 and 18, he was really very much on track to giving us what we saw in just that spurt of a quarter and a bit in round one. In those two games of round 17 and 18, a 92-point average from two games in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 88.5 in Supercoach. It's a small data size, absolutely. But when you're looking at this breakout spot, whether they're experienced at the AFL level for as many seasons as Tristan is, or you're looking at that second or third year breakout, that guy that's moved squads, all you are looking for is threads that you can pull and go, is there something there that gives me confidence that what I'm seeing in practice matches, what I'm hearing from the club in the preseason and in the few moments of games and quarters and weeks consecutive is confirmed with data. And we saw elements of that also in 2022. Um, he played 12 games that year, all Ruck shared with Todd Goldstein, importantly, but that year, five scores of 79 and above in AFL Fantasy, and four scores over 80 in Supercoach, including two tons. One was that 120 that we alluded to at the top of the episode. In that game, if you're curious, 20 possessions, 24 hitouts, five marks, and two tackles. So, Damo, it speaks about exactly that that you mentioned just moments ago, that opportunity comes and impact to the game is there. And now he's at a club 
where there is no other parachute. It is all him. He has that number one ruck spot sewn up. I want to talk about this injury history in a moment, but let's dig into what it looks like from a structural perspective from us as an AFL fantasy super coach and dream team community. I think when you look at the ownership percentage and pretty much every team reveal I've ever seen on any social media or video or podcast format, I've always heard someone say the name Brody Grundy in either at R1 or at R2. But pairing a Grundy with a Tristan Cherry across the formats, while maybe not everybody's cup of tea, structurally that opens up a few interesting pathways about how you can hit that midfield and defensive line really deep with premium options if you're happy to take the risk on, on some volatility through your rucks and maybe even your forward line. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the forward line, the defense, even the midfield have some great um, premium options, players who are a bit more reliable than some others that people are talking about. And going with the Tristan Sherry in your R2 position, I wouldn't think anyone would be going with him in R1, but if they are, power to them. Um, but in, in R2, you've got the opportunity to select another premium in your midfield, perhaps, or an extra player in your defense that perhaps was a little bit out of your price range that you wanted to select. And with these extra trades in Supercoach and with the trades that you get in fantasy, there's not so much of a disaster if it doesn't work out or if he gets injured. It's just a matter of how you use that extra money and whether it's actually beneficial to you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Team. When we're looking at these breakout guys, again, whether it's a forward, a mid, ruck, or a defender, we're just looking for a narrative and a pathway to them really over-delivering by at least 20, if not 30-plus points per game on price point in comparison to what you forecast they can average. And for Cherry, you can put that along there with anybody else. Put him alongside a line and go, is there a secure role in the side? The answer is yes. Has he shown at AFL level that he can score 90 plus and hundreds in limited opportunities? The answer is yes. Is there any other way that North Melbourne structure it up that barring injury or suspension, he is not in this spot and role? The answer is no. Everything is landing to him. It's not like some of these mid-price mids or defenders or forwards where we go, if they get the role, if the breeze is at 25 knots per hour, if it's a certain football... No, none of those things exist for Tristan. It's simply this. If he stays on the park and he scores at that points per minute rate and the trend we've seen him when he's in at those ruck elements all around the ground, this gives us confidence to now go... Well, I can fade that mid-pricer in another line and I can take it with Tristan at this spot. However, that injury history you mentioned isn't just a thing of the past. It's a thing in the reality right now. Just, what, a week or two ago, the club confirmed that cheekbone injury required facial surgery. The positive is he's doing all the athletic and endurance elements. It's a facial injury, so he's not fitness limited but certainly from a contact is limited but does look like he'll be right for the preseason games let alone round one 
It's an unfortunate narrative in Tristan's career, though, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And in round one, when he only played that quarter and a bit, he suffered an angle syndesmosis injury that kept him out for 15 weeks. And then he's had foot issues with stress spots um, detected in 2022, and that restricted him to just 12 games. So, I mean, the good news is the injuries aren't soft tissue, so they're not ones that can reoccur so easily that we need to be totally worried. But he's one that if you're not confident in the pick, then he's probably not a player that you want to select. Yeah, I think that's true. When you're looking at this spot of a breakout, you're looking for the threads. Could there be a thread that he's on the edge, not just through opportunity, but the way he's developing in his career to really popping for us? In 2015, Max Gorn exploded into the fantasy and super coach realm. This is what he was averaging for his career before that year. 9.2 career disposals, 16.9 hitouts, 3.4 marks, and 2.1 tackles. Before 2017, when Jared Witz exploded onto the scenes, his career numbers in those same trends, 9.4 disposals, 16.8 hitouts, 2.4 marks, and 3.5 tackles. Where does Tristan Sherry sit alongside those? 9.2 career disposals up to this point. 16.9 career hitouts up to this point. Career marks 1.7, so a little behind. And career tackles 1.8. Again, a little behind. Is that cherry picking? Okay, I've got to be truthful. I practice that all day. 100%. 100% it's just cherry picking data. But that's what you are doing this time of year in a preseason. When you're looking for breakouts, you're looking for these things to get you there. Even just last year alone, you had 452 rap contests. He won 51% of those. It, that was ahead of Rowan Marshall, Tim English, Max Gorn, Brody Grundy. Okay, again, Limited game time, limited opportunities, probably against lower caliber rucks where he was second rucking with Todd Goldstein. But again, gives us this element of confidence that if he's given the opportunity, he's shown in glimpses and moments, he can do it. And you mentioned that North Melbourne midfield in Supercoach where that's rewarded the hitouts to advantage. While it is a young midfield demo, they've got some ball winning and clearance winning abilities. Yeah, for sure. And you, if I reel off the names, you've got Davies, Uniac, Simpkin, Greenwood, Wardlaw, Phillips. Who knows what's going to happen with McKercher? Who knows whether other players like Taron Thomas is going to go through there? And if these midfielders can take advantage of his hitouts appropriately and use the ball and create scoring opportunities, then not only is Tristan Sherry going to get part of that scoring pie, but so are those midfielders as well. And so Tristan Sherry's breakout is almost as reliant on the, the midfielders as the midfielders are relying on his breakout to score well themselves. And so if you're picking Tristan Sherry with confidence, there's no reason why you shouldn't pick one of these midfielders either, because if Tristan Sherry's doing it, then the midfielders are going to do it too. Yeah, it's a fair shout. I've seen some people in, in the community bullish on Tristan, and that's absolutely fine. There's a narrative for why you should be, because at his price point, can, in contrast to others, yeah, he does represent a lot of reasons to go there. But I've seen some people in the community going, got my R2 locked away for the year. I'm like, no, 
you can't treat Tristan or any mid-price or breakout guy like that. We can be pleasantly surprised, but the reality is he is there to do two things, outperform his price point with his scoring and generate money and provide a narrative pathway for you to get to the other premium ruck that you want to get to, whether it be English you're fading, Marshall you're fading, you like the look of a Darcy or a Brody Grundy. If you're not starting him, probably might want to reconsider that one based on his ownership numbers. But um, this is what he enables for you to do and that early fixture it's not easy but it's not super abundantly helpful either there's a gws and a Fremantle who are two of the harder matchups for him carlton brisbane geelong hawthorne some easy some pretty you know midway not hard or easy it's not the hardest ruck run but I think you'd probably would have loved a few easier ones in there, Damo, to feel uber confident that you might jag a few of these hundreds, which is what we do need early days from Tristan. For sure, because there's some midfields in there that can dominate this young North Melbourne midfield. And we might see Tristan Sherry's hit outs get sharked a few times by those midfields that have a bit more experience. But there's opportunity for Tristan Sherry to show people that he is the the, the guy that, that can direct these hitouts in the right places for his midfield to take advantage in the right way. But you can't look past some of these other midfields that are restrictive, these ruckmen that are good at match that are good at matching up against the opposition. Because what are you expecting from Tristan Sherry and what is he actually producing is two different things. And it might turn out to be a happy accident that he averages 110 out of the blocks in the first eight weeks. But you, you should also expect a 90 or an 85 average as, 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 as well, because how is his midfield going to go? How is his midfield going to stack up against other midfields? How is he going to go against people who are a bit more experienced than he is in the number one ruck role? It's um it's something you really got to, you know, think, think about when you're selecting him. 100%. There's a world where a lot of the community jump onto him. And I understand that. Equally, there's a world where the community see the value in a Brody Grundy that I think a lot of the community is really bullish that he's going to return significant value on the expense that we have. Even if he doesn't get back to those 110, 120 days, there's enough ownership percentage that makes it really difficult to run against him. Equally, you can run a world where you go full set and forget rucks. Marshall and English didn't put a foot wrong for us last year. And then you've got another option in a Max Gorn, who hasn't been the number one ruck for years, but has shown when he is, he could be the number one scorer in the game, let alone in the ruck line. And so it's these elements that make it a bit challenging for some in the community to go, oh, I don't run a run against it. I'd, I like the mid-price guy in another line that, that sits better for me. And so they fade a cherry. Equally, others go, no, I like the opportunity of cherry in the scoring. And that's the beauty of this game. Like any parish, uh, any player that's in this range, you do need parachute options because why we always hope it goes our way, the statistical narrative is it rarely all goes your way. So you might have three, four of these guys that you're going, I need this and this. Probably one of them statistically will work for you and the other you're going to have to correct. And we needed a parachute with Tristan last year. It was unfortunately an injury one, but that's just a great reminder for us because at this price point, Damo, look, I don't really love the options around there. There's what? There's like Flynn and Soldo and it's not pretty, let's say the least. So if you are going into Cherry, 
you've got to know your parachute plan for if he gets injured, suspended, whatever. How are you correcting that to get up to one of those other rucks that you were hoping to get to later on? Yeah, for sure. It doesn't look pretty around his price point as players that you can go to if it doesn't work out. I guess if you start Tristan Sherry, maybe the extra money that you get from not starting one of the top line rucks, you invest in an R3 that might be playing like maybe someone who's a little bit of higher price point than what you'd probably invest for your for your bench. Just sort of give you some time to, uh, to jump on someone who might drop in price from a poor performance or something along those lines. But yeah, Tristan Sherry, at his price, there's not a lot around him. Yeah, so just have your backup plan, have your parachute, and that's okay. And most lines, you've got multiple other options. That's the risk in, you take in the rucks when you're looking for some value there is it probably means two trades to go there. AFL fantasy coaches have no problem with doing that. You spend your first three or four weeks basically doing correctional trades. Super coach, the more trades we get, regardless of what your feeling in the community is about whether you'd like to play it with that or not, the opportunity is you can use that in your benefit by the way you approach the game and attack with a bunch of different trades. From an ownership perspective, he's the fifth highest ranked ruck in AFL fantasy at 16%. Grundy, Gorn, English, and Max Heath. He's just there at R3, to be honest. So really the fourth highest owned ruckman in there and seeing Grundy and one of those four, um, or three, should I say, really is the popular approach. 4.4% in Supercoach. That was lower than I thought it was going to be when I was putting him in the 50 and thinking, okay, how do people approach the ruck line this year? Clearly, um, he's 12th overall for ownership of all rucks. Sixth if you take those rookies out. So still a really low focal point for a lot of the Supercoach rucks. Damo, I know that's your preferred format. Again, that's where Jock Reynolds and the footy mailbag is done. It's always hard to judge what the community is thinking, but what's your take for why he's sixth in line for ownership? Because if you're looking for a value ruck outside of Grundy, he's screaming at you. What do you think the community is looking at to do in that ruck line that's seen the interest in ownership anyway not be as high? I think with the ruck line sort of evolving over the last few years, a bit... People want stability. People want safety in numbers. So they want to go for the popular players. And it's all well and good to go for a point of difference, someone who's feeling a void of, signif a void of significance. But if it doesn't work out, we've spoke about it before, Tristan Sherry, there's not a lot at his price to go to. I think his ownership might skyrocket a little bit after the preseason games, once they really see him in action as that number one ruck. But being the sixth in line, if you don't include the rookies, I think that's about right just based on who's ahead of him and who might be a little more reliable. Yeah, it's fair enough too. We did an episode uh, with uh, Vams and Reeds that was specifically talking about AFL fantasy strategies, but there's a bunch of parallels that for super coaches and dream teamers, you can go and check out that audio and video episode, some really great wisdom from the guys. But one of the things Reeds shared about in that episode is that there is faith, is kind of safety and ownership numbers sometimes with these premiums at a certain level and mid-price guys at a certain level, really outside of AFL fantasy, there's not a whole heap of safety in numbers there. And so again, Supercoach, 4.4%, just over 10% in Dream Team. And then at time of recording, 16% in AFL Fantasy. He's probably more popular there because the two trades a week, move and use and off you go. But if you're going, Cherry, here's what I'll tell you. 
have your parachute ready to go and know that it will cost you two trades. It'll probably cost you another breakout or mid-pricer, but have it ready to go. Equally, what happens if that points per minute that Damo mentioned in AFL Fantasy and in Supercoach runs true to start 2024? It was a limited data stripe for sure, but what happens if he does that? in the preseason games. What happens if he does that in round one and he does that in round two? And in Supercoach, before your price starts moving, in AFL Fantasy, before the weekly price starts ticking over, what happens if a Grundy's not living up and he's got an early buy and Cherry doesn't have an early buy? What's your parachute to jump into Cherry? Because don't get so stubborn on him. I know the injury history is there, but I don't think that's the reason people aren't leaping into him. I think it's more the avenues around it that are the restriction point for jumping on. Draft? Well, that's always a whole different kettle of fish, isn't it, Damo? These guys that we're talking about, value and upside and all that kind of thing. Draft coaches don't care about your points. Um Comparison to your price point. It's all about what you think they're going to average. Grundy, Gorn, English, Marshall. I'm pretty confident across all formats. They're the first four rucks off the board. But then on draft day, God only knows where this goes. I, I don't know if I'd want to jump into a ruck at that point. But where do you see him going? We know he's going to be the number one ruck at North. Is he fine to take as a late on fielder or would you rather him as your bench ruck option as you look at, you know, who are the top 10 to 15 rucks this year? If, you, if you're able to select him as your bench ruck, that's a pretty strong bench. Yeah. Um, but you probably don't want to select him in the first few rucks. You probably want to see if you can get someone better because there's probably 10 or 12 ruckmen ahead of him in the queue. But I mean, if 10 to 12 Ruckman get get taken pretty early and you don't have a Ruck yet, then maybe you should look at taking him maybe a little bit earlier if that's how your draft is going. But he's probably a later pick in terms of the Rucks are concerned. Yeah, I think that's a fair shout. And you might hear Damo going, what, he's not in the top 10 or 12? Hang on. Do your own rankings. Where do you forecast players will go? Sometimes when we hear someone on a podcast or on social media make a statement and we've got this outrageous gut reaction to that's wrong, it's like, it may be, and it's an opinion, so chill. But do your own rankings and find out whether you would actually put them there. I, I remember when I first started playing fantasy footy community, getting involved before we did the coaches panel, I'd like, no, that's not right. And then I'd do it, I'm like, yeah. Oh. Maybe it was me that might have been a, a spot or two off in my selections through there. So is Tristan Cherry relevant for your teams this year? You bet he is. Because on his day, he's shown he can score at a strong points per minute range. He's got the clear number one ruck spot. And I can see a 25 to 30 points per game of potential upside based on what he's done. And at his price point, if you're in the market for some value in your ruck line, you've got to look at him. Equally, if you don't like it, even though he could help you through those early buys with no misses, you go, I like the value in other rucks. I, I see value in Gorn. I see value in Grundy. And the top line scoring of Marshall and English is so good that I don't need to consider anything outside of those four options. I see the reason why people in the community would fade interest and just spend less time on this. The good thing is about the rucks, 
there's going to be great diversity of structures and players through there. Last year, it was vanilla and boring. It was Marshall and English. In 2024, you'd have seven or eight different combinations that all feel like they might just work for you. Hey, Damo, it's been a privilege to have you on this episode of the 50 Most Relevant. You and Clark, you're doing some great stuff on uh, the footy mailbag. Where can we find both you boys on social media? And if we loved what you've given us in this podcast today, where can we listen to some of your guys' great stuff? Uh, so on Twitter, I am Damo SC. Clarky is at Quantum JC. Um, and just look up the footy mailbag on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and look for the teal logo. Um, thanks for having me, MJ. It's been a great discussion about Tristan Sherry, and hopefully we've given the community some things to think about. Definitely think so. If you missed any of those links or places where you can get in touch with the footy mailbag, we have added them in the description of this episode. So whether it's the audio or the video versions, just go in the description, check it out, give these boys a follow, give them some support. They're doing some fantastic stuff and some of the great people in the Supercoach community that are going around. If you want to go and check out the article on Tristan, it's online for you now at coachespanel.tv. Every single player we've revealed so far, you can go and read their article alongside with these audio podcasts if you're just getting into your fantasy and super coach preseason jump on your way back into the 50 start at 50 and work your way through that way you get the feeling of how and why i've put these people in the relevance order that i have and you can agree or disagree that's the beauty of this is it's all about having the conversation but if you haven't subscribed to us on wherever you've got these audio podcasts from make sure you do it and leave a five star review and if you're on apple podcasts you can leave a rating there as well as a comment and a review and We'll read it out, if it's nice. I'll read it out in the podcast and give you a little bit of a shout out. We're on YouTube, so you can check out this video. And if you are watching it, what's your take on what Tristan Cherry will average this year? You could comment below and let me know what you think he's going to average in 2024. And make sure you're subscribed so that as soon as the videos go live, you, if you've got that notification bell clicked off, you know it's coming straight to your device. In 30 seconds time, I've got a quick clue about who's coming in next for the 50 most relevant, but with less than three weeks to go in this series. Yeah, it's crazy to think, isn't it? Um, we have been churning out daily videos, daily podcasts, daily articles, and everything across social media. So if you are loving what you've got from us already this preseason and seasons gone by, we'd encourage you. We'd love it if you become a part of our Patreon supporter group. From as little as a few dollars a month, you can get involved. Support the coaches panel, and there are a ton of additional rewards, community groups, and extra benefits that come your way. Just click on the Patreon link in the description of this episode. Find the tier that's right for you and gain access to the levels of rewards that you want. All right, who's next in the 50 most relevant? We talked about a breakout candidate today. Tomorrow, we're talking about a breakout candidate that became a premium for us last year. At round one, though, it wasn't looking good. I'll be honest, there was a heading into round two, there's some people looking at him going, geez, I might jump off. I don't know if this breakout's coming. But by the end of the year, if you did jump off, whew, you had regret for the rest of the season. He was one of the best scorers in his line for us last year, and you could have got him at a bargain. But there's no bargains now. You're paying top dollar. Or are you? Is there a pathway he can become one of the best of the best, if not the best scorer in his line in 2024? You'll find out about him tomorrow in the 50 most relevant.